I'm here in person with Jackson Sullivan here in Austin, Texas. Third time on the podcast. Our first episode was February 2018, and it's incredible to try to look back and reflect. And this is what the podcast is about, right? It's like exponentially empowered personal development and trusting the long game and trusting time and the compounding effect of daily habits, right? Following your curiosity, taking bold, bold steps, you know, and all this can snowball. Um, I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking in this moment about my growth, but I'm curious what's coming up for you about, uh, how you've grown the past three years. And then we're gonna we're gonna riff about some of this mind fix stuff that I mentioned in the podcast last week or two weeks ago. But uh, curious to hear about what reflection you ha- reflections you have since we first connected in terms of your own personal development. Yeah, it's a lot. As you know, it's unfathomable. So you, I did the first podcast. I was in Charleston, I believe. That could have been our second one. Was it our second one that was in Charleston? Our second one I was in Charleston. First one, I think you were in Mexico or something. Yeah, I must have been in February. I would have, no, I would have been in Page. I was in Arizona. I remember sitting in my driveway I think I did the, I think we were on Zoom. I think we did the recording. I was in the car of my house in Arizona. And um, quick question. And we can we can delete this if we want to. I wanna make eye contact a lot of the time. I think it's always really powerful for our podcasts. So I don't know if that means you gotta if you, I mean, sorry to not interrupt again. And no, this is, this is raw and real. Yeah, exactly. So if, uh, you, if you, I'll make eye contact with you sometimes. Yeah. Well, not even explicitly. I'm saying I didn't know if you're because of our positioning. Oh, that was, sometimes that was I sometimes I like to thing. sometimes I like to listen without eye contact. On Fine purpose. for me too. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm conscious of that. I didn't know if we were but, like leaning this way. So <laughs> we're on the couch, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're on the couch, <laughs> facing one direction, sort of. Um, but cool. That's what. Yeah. I'm so you're in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't. I remember we were we were riffing on like six pillars, the nature of authenticity. I've come so far. It's it's totally exponentially empowered. The podcast name. I am exponentially more powerful than I was that day. It's not even close. Well, like even just this past year, last six months, these past like three months. I mean. But you, you discovered MindFix, you, you discovered in this past year, like IFS, um, the Sedona Method, that was all last letting, year. this book, Letting Go, <laughs> um, and not to mention just continuous psychedelic personal development experiences. Yeah. Um, Holy shit. That's all in the last year. That's only the last IFS, year. IFS, Sedona Method, MindFix. Holy crap! Can you can you work back before that? Like you were you doing, doing six? Maybe, I think you were just said discovered six pillars. No, no, that was that was uh, that was before you, know, you even knew me. That was a long time ago. Three years before we met. Um, oh, okay. Two? No, two or one? Two, one or two? 
what was I doing? Because I was so obsessed. I was reading. What was I doing? I was still like completely in the personal world. I was reading books. Oh, right before I think you and I met, and as you and I met when I was doing like, um, at least between our first episodes, our first two episodes was when I was really into like spirituality and kind of like a power of now. Right. This book, um, The Untethered Soul. I had, you know, read the Tao Te Ching. I was kind of yeah. You went this, like for a whole year of, of Eastern. Very much. I went a very much like kind of. That's when I was tripping a lot more, and I was doing a lot more of that. But that was still a little bit. That was continuing after. Like that was right when we were in our podcast. A year ago, and so. If two years. Oh my gosh, yeah, three years earlier, what was it? That first episode we must have talked about. We were talking about sentence completion exercises. We were also just meeting. I can't remember. Because yeah. here's the thing, and we'll talk about this with MindFix stuff and everything. Sometimes you become so uh, more liberated or so different from how you were that it's literally hard to fathom what it was like to exist in a more trapped state. Like, I can't. Conceive. I was in Arizona, February. I was getting ready to go to Guatemala. Yeah. And so if there I am getting ready to go to Guatemala, 2019. 18. You looked? Really? Holy crap. I was just... The point is, ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) Lots happened. <laughs> Lots happened. And it's stunning. Especially, you know, I think, Jackson, you and I just shared this zest. Zest for growth. And part of that comes from, like, above average dysfunctional childhoods. Correct. Far above. But, far, 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 far above average. Well, we don't need to compare, but. Both of on whatever, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but it's also just like a passion a passion for life you know to be alive to become fully alive and to maximize experience on the planet so like that zest just fuels so much you just keep going keep going keep like like it's just a desire to actualize and be the true self and flourish flourish it's an authentic desire. I think it's one of the reasons we're such good friends is that that connects us significantly. So, I'm trying to think of what we can really start to riff on, and we'll really build, like, we can really get going and momentum. Well, yeah, I just yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. Just yeah, just to see, because like I just did this episode on the power of small habits. And like little daily actions and think about that, that that's gonna help your, your life in the future or it's gonna compound. And that's good. Um but it's sometimes sometimes hard to like see the big picture. Because you're just like in the day to day trying to complete this task in front of you or change this habit or whatever. But then when you do zoom out, you look in the look in the rear view mirror and like Yeah. Okay. Like for me, I've I started that podcast in in February 2018, and it felt totally uncomfortable. 
to interview people and even just speak. I remember like taking, like having all these notes just to like do my own, like a 10 minute solo podcast. It was like this big preparation and now I can just turn on mic and just riff. Um, and I enjoy it. <laughs> um, and I'm, now I host two podcasts. Um, I'm just like, it's, it's just what you it's do. It's infused into me. But I remember, I mean, at that point when I started the podcast, I, I, I was a seasoned podcast consumer. But then to actually become a podcaster was like this next evolution. I was like, all right, I, I can say I'm a podcaster now. And then, man, just doing all the... Just building, building a, a network of people and reaching out to people like yourself, and and then eventually just leveraging this huge career change so that I could align my values, um, to live with integrity. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, and that was that was a huge, a huge story for me. And so, imagine if I had never started, right, like just kind of like stay where I was essentially maybe I mean everyone I think kind of grows over the time if you don't put any effort into it but like I don't know if that's, that's well I guess it's uh, you're right in some ways that in is some true. ways I think people just gain wisdom through life experience correct, you, correct. you would hope I would maybe agree. there's some atrophy too I would but agree. uh but like putting conscious effort into growth that's a whole nother league yeah so it's just helpful I think to it's valuable to reflect and, and give yourself some I have a th- credit, you know? Yeah, I was thinking what we, we could might, what might be cool is like, what is different about me today versus then? Just very clearly, what is different? And I'm curious for you as well, but I feel, I suppose one of the key words is just significantly more confident as an individual being, human being. Confident is a key word. Like, when I think of something I would like to do now, I believe I can do it. There are still doubts and barriers and insecurities that might come up, but the confidence that it will happen is there. And that was not the case as much even three years ago. I didn't know that, but there's just an increased confidence in a lot of things. Also, like, in myself as, like, a thing. Like, I feel more confident about my worthiness to be alive, if that makes sense. Like, that's more of the self-esteem side. It was like there was an anxiety, there was a fear back then, I think more than I realized versus now. Which is just... Yeah, looking back... Does that make sense? Looking back to just my admittedly non-vivid memories of our it's first true. Zoom Correct. call. I can't really remember very much either. But I'm just like... You're like this... You're like this scrappy kid who's <laughs> super zealous but like imbalanced. Mm-hmm. Um, like hanging on by a thread in a sense. Yeah. You could feel that um, back then? I, didn't, I wasn't conscious of it. But now we know. I was really struck by your authenticity, and I was really connect, felt connected to you. Um, but you know, Brandon defines self-esteem as the confidence to tackle life's challenges and the knowledge that you, 
and belief that you are worthy of happiness. And I have much higher of both of those. Right. So my self-esteem, Brandon's great for that reason. It's really a great model. My self-esteem is much higher. And that's actually the best way to describe it. Esteem is like how you regard something, right? Like if I hold a movie in high esteem, it means that I really, it's more than just respect. I appreciate it. I respect it. I admire the the craftsmanship. I'm confident other people will like it. It's just esteem. And my esteem for Jackson Sullivan is quite high (laughs) compared to what it was. And I think in general, now. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say earlier when you were saying, like, at least for me, my understanding of my own beauty and power is significantly higher today than it more high than it ever has been. And I feel like that's fascinating for me to consider that could increase because I feel very connected to it. Like there's, I don't always have access to the full power and beauty, but I feel completely certain. I feel very confident of it being there, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you sense it. And right now, and your of course, your calmness and beauty is a good word. Yeah, like you you know you are beautiful. Yeah, and it's not it's not objective, but I find myself beautiful. Yeah, most it's other not pe- most other people do. <laughs> but I think it's always key to highlight this definition of self esteem, like true genuine self esteem, is as, as opposed to what Brandon calls pseudo self esteem. Correct. Which is a f- basically a false self, and it's a judgment rather than a knowledge. In a sense, it's like oh, it's an evaluation instead of like a sense. Yeah. So when you say I esteem, I have high esteem for myself. It's just like it's a. Uh, I mean, so 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 the. The elementary school definition of self-esteem is, is like, I'm great. <laughs> exactly. It's a caricature. It's, 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 it's about comparison to others, right? It's saying, I'm, I'm great compared to other people, or I think highly of myself compared to other people. Uh, I mean, we're sitting next to this book, The Fountainhead he's by sit- Ayn Rand. He's sitting there on the, oh, wow. Uh, Brandon's, of course... You know, Brandon was her protege. He was her protege. Yeah, not for long. And went lover for a while, and then transcended that. Anyway, the book. One of the characters in this book, Peter Keating, is really clearly conflicted and and caught in this false self, and he tries to mask his his lack of self esteem by comparing himself to other people. So, your self-esteem is is authentic, genuine self-esteem. Yeah, back it's not, it's not comparison. Whereas back then, it wasn't comparison necessarily because I've always been very self-obsessed. <laughs> but I was extremely good at having pseudo self-esteem. Yep. So I had some people who met me thought I had self-esteem, and that was like because I was so good at talking, not necessarily communication, but good at seeming confident in my tones. Like I was able to do that, even though I felt horrible inside. I think actually speaking of the fountainhead, and it's so it's so cool that I get to say this 
without doubt. It's fascinating, actually. Um, because I didn't think you could say this without doubt. It is objective. It's true that bef- if we want to use the fountainhead as an example, before I was very much like Peter Keating. Yeah. And now I feel very much like Howard Rourke. Yeah. I can relate to that. It's pretty cool. I'm still not fully Howard Rourke. I mean, oh no. <laughs> I got so much insecurity, man, still, that'll be it worked out. But as more of I'm saying is what Brandon calls like the self-esteem, right? Like the yeah. the total evaluation of such a of this being. I feel more I feel much closer to a Howard to Howard Rourke than I do to Peter Keating. Yeah. I relate more with Howard Rourke's experience more than I do with Peter Keating's now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's really interesting for me. I mean, for the listener who hasn't read it, I'm I haven't finished it yet either. But uh definitely check it out. But like Peter Keating I can relate to his character from my early twenties self quite a bit. Oh yeah. Uh, it that made me really insecure when I read the book. Because like when I was like just full on musician, like academic teacher and everything, and I had the I had like access to true knowledge and self. Like I was starting to uncover it, but then I would like it was it wasn't externalized at all in my actual life. Anyway, so mind fix. That's all relevant. It's actually a perfect segue. Oh, it's just it's so relevant. Because a broken mind is like Peter Keating. A broken mind is one with low self-esteem. Yeah. Howard Work is not walking around with a whole lot of baggage in his head. No. He's got some bullshit, but for the most part, like, that's what... Think about it. Even Ayn Rand, her whole thing is about objectivity. Right? So eliminating toxic beliefs through reason in some way she still had a bunch of nonsense toxic beliefs but like it's a similar thing like that's what it's all about is about truth clarity truth and clarity and this is the reality like you are pretty much infinite potential yeah so it's so mindfix is is the latest in both of our personal development it's very exciting and I really sense, you know, I, I, I'm always trying to check myself. Is this like shiny object syndrome type of thing where I'm like so excited about the novelty of it in terms of comparing it to other tools? Uh-huh. But I really sense now that I've been exposed and experienced it, that it's striking a root. It is striking a root. Maybe not the, the only root, right? But it is striking a root by figuring out your yeah. these beliefs we have and figuring out where they came from and then trying to prove them wrong, right? Correct. If you want, I think I want to kind of explain what it is, what the model is. Yeah. Because it's a very simple thing that we say and also what it is. I know you had a podcast last week, but so the listener understands. Um, Mind Fix is a high-end coaching company. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing to call it. Um, Really, it's a collaboration between a small group of mind experts 
who have come together to figure out what it takes to liberate people from their suffering and have effectively come up with a series of tools and methods and order of th- an order of operations to um, to take people's patterns of suffering and make them go away forever. And it makes sense because you think about humans have been using science and other methods to discover the best ways to do things for a very long time. So you would expect that eventually humans would start to figure out rapid, very effective ways to end suffering that was caused by internal factors, which is most suffering. Self-esteem issues, any imposter syndrome, lack of productivity, whatever reason you're not getting up and absolutely charging with motivation and excitement and happiness and passion toward your best life. It would make sense that humans would eventually start to devise ways to make that not a th- to, to make that your reality and eliminate all barriers between you and that reality. And that's what MindFix has done and starting to do and continuing to do. And yeah, it's pretty amazing. That was just me saying that. I'm trying to think of, because you're about to dive into belief stuff, right? So I wanted to explain why that's so significant from my understanding. So yeah, I mean, it's, because there's like we have like a little we have a little thing, but you can go ahead if you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you can dive more in, but I just think it's striking the root because you are examining the validity of a belief. Yeah, and so, and one of the, you know, the process is one of the, there's a whole page on the website devoted to. Is it too good to be true? Yeah. Because it is a, a relatively short process to, depending on the, on the strength of the belief, to eradicate that belief. Um, but it just makes a whole lot of sense um, because you're revisiting some of these memories and you realize, oh, I just made that up in my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, Yeah. And the, the thing I, I want to comment on is why it's so significant to get rid of a belief. Because a lot of people, that doesn't make any sense, right? We're bought in now. Yeah. But for a lot of people, it's like, it just sounds like some, like, the secret law of attraction community. Like, oh, great. Belief is everything. We're going to get rid of your beliefs. Is it? So it's, I'm going to explain why that matters. Um, so we have patterns in our life of behavior that we don't like. An example might be that you get angry every time your spouse says something to you in a certain way. And you'd rather not get angry because that's not, you know, what you consider to be your most free self. Or you have a business or you have work projects that you would like to be doing and get done. However, you procrastinate and avoid doing the things, right? Patterns of behavior that we don't like. So what creates behaviors? For most of us, what creates our behaviors is our emotions. Even if we choose to do something uh, of our own will, it's still sometimes like a subtle energetic emotion that can drive that behavior. 
It's like, oh, I feel motivated to go do something, so I'm going to go do it. Or I create the motivation to go do it. So emotions often drive behavior. Or I'll say a broad category of feelings often drive behavior. So what drives our feelings? Our feelings are created by our thoughts. And it's not necessarily always linguistic thoughts, but if I have, for example, well, yeah, yeah, like it's, I'm trying to think of a, good, of a good example of this, but it's like, it can be very sudden and very quick, but if I have, if I have a spouse and she says, you didn't take out the laundry, if I have the thought of, she says, you didn't take out the laundry, if I have the thought of, suddenly there's a thought that comes to my mind, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't like listen or she doesn't respect what I do, she doesn't see all everything I'm doing, it might generate emotion of anger, right? Mm-hmm. And that could happen very quickly. Thoughts in our brain can actually happen like way faster linguistically than spoken word. But it happens. And so thoughts create all these things. If I'm going to procrastinate, there might not be always be a specific linguistic thought. There might even be a thought that's like the image of three seconds, the image of like suffering while working, or the image of being afraid of what's going to happen if I do it, or... It's so quick, or like, I, oh, I can't do it, or I don't, I don't want to do that work today. There's always a thought that creates the emotion. So what creates our thoughts? Because if this is true, and it is as far as I can tell, if you can actually change your thoughts, everything can change. And not even some mystical way. If, I'm not just talking about linguistic thought. Thought is like, a lot of times, like this mind activity. If you can change your mind activity, change the thoughts that are happening in response to the sense data of your world, you can pretty much do whatever you want. If you had the volitional control to just change how your mind responds to things, you win. And so knowing how to change thoughts is really what it's all about in some sense. And I'm going to break this model down in like a really simple way when I'm done explaining. So what creates our thoughts? Because that's what law of attraction community, many people never ask these things. Typically. Not to compare. It's just typically I haven't seen that. What, where do thoughts come from? Thoughts, as far as I can tell, are the response to sense data after being filtered through beliefs. To say that simpler, thoughts come from our beliefs. Before our beliefs comes our sense data. For example, if I have the belief dogs are dangerous and I see a dog and I receive the sense data through my eyes of dog. If I have a belief that dogs are dangerous, suddenly I experience the thought. It might be so fast, but it might be like, oh God, a dog. Or it might be like, oh shit, he's going to bite me. Or it could be, I don't want that dog around me. Whatever it is, the belief creates the thought which creates the fear response of the emotion, which causes me to step backward behavior. So the model is very clear. It's that sense data creates... So sense data is filtered through beliefs, which create thoughts as a result. So sense data goes through beliefs, results in thought, which creates an emotion, which creates a behavior. What that means is that if you can delete permanently the beliefs that the sense data gets filtered through, the thoughts will be different, or you'll have no thoughts at all, which is often peace. 
and you will just experience life and there will not and you'll or however you want um if you have a belief if you don't have the belief that dogs are dangerous you may either go oh a dog and then you have that emotion and then you go and pet the dog different behavior or you may have nothing at all because you just aren't are kind of indifferent and then there's no fear response there's no behavior you just you're more in control the same is true if you have a spouse who's saying something to you that previously if you had a belief like uh what's an example if i have a belief uh women don't like me still running and then i have a wife and she's criticizing me that's going to trigger this belief that's emotionally charged and it's going to cause her telling me about the laundry that i said i would do or something that it's going to get filtered through this women don't like me and then i'm going to think oh she she's she's mad at me she doesn't respect me she's really upset with me and then i'm going to get upset and aggravated and then that's going to create behavior whereas if i didn't have that belief i might just think oh she's uh I said I was going to yeah, do it. Yeah, it just, it just anyway, yeah, pulls we'll pause the, there. Yeah, I'm done. It, it pulls the rug out. Boom. From everything. That makes it such a clear model to me when you have so belief, <laughs> belief, thought, emotion, action. <laughs> yeah. If it's the belief's so gone. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, I like how you articulated it as it's not always a thought, even. It's just sense. It's just your, your brain is, is working really fast. Right, so often. And the belief is just the underlying, you know, it's the, the monitor. It's the program. Yeah. And I, so, that word sounds cliche sometimes, you've been programmed, but it really is. It's like a computer, right? Yeah. Based on childhood experiences where we didn't have a whole lot of nurturing oftentimes, and we didn't have a lot of clarity, and we're trying to make sense. We're sense-making Machines as as humans, <laughs> and there's this need for clarity and understanding for for as children and adults, but as children we're trying to make sense of the world, and when there's challenging experiences, and those aren't experiences aren't processed. Um, Dan Siegel talks about you know, rupture versus repair rupture and repair like if you have a rupture experience uh, an adverse experience and it's then you don't you, you don't immediately attend to it and repair an adult doesn't help you repair then that's just you're gonna try to you're gonna continue to try to make sense of the world and you might create these beliefs that's what I'm what I'm getting I'm yeah, getting yeah, at exactly, exactly. Our, as children we create these beliefs because we have the need for clarity and understanding no matter what because then we're just like, we can't survive. If you don't understand it, anything, that's, that's the brain's mechanism. Correct. We need to survive. That's the incentive, yeah. That's the incentive. So it makes a whole lot of sense if you conclude something that is actually an irrational belief. Because you're, you're just trying to figure out something to, yeah. get, to hold on to. Yeah. Well, also, I think it makes sense because in the wild, when we evolved, this, this is my understanding of why we form beliefs and why we attach to them and not change them later when we're early in childhood. Because it really is an inefficient system for us. However, when we were in the wild and we were monkeys, and even you know when we were still human in, in the wild, the things that a child is exposed to in that first 10 years of life are in a wildlife situation, 
are the things that you need to know and be aware of to survive for the rest of the life, right? So like when you're an animal, whatever you see as dangerous, as good, as bad, as et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in early life, is the thing which you need to understand to survive. So it makes sense why children are already these information-absorbing machines and they're pre-programmed to try to absorb beliefs and then permanently encode them. Because that's how it worked for millions and millions of years of evolution, right? Yeah. And so that's, to me, that's why it makes a lot of sense. There's, and, and then the, what you're saying is that need to understand from the more IFS perspective, that's sort of like how that plays out in psychology. Because I was talking about like evolutionary psychology or biology or whatever, or psychology. But then like in the human sense, it plays out in children seeking to understand why things are happening. Because if you understand the why, then you learn a lesson that's going to help you survive. So if in that first 10 years of life you learn, I'm not enough because of how your parents don't care about you or whatever it is, then our evolution tells us that's useful information to then encode. And that's why I called it a program, right? Because I know I don't, I'm not a computer scientist, but I'm assuming when you get a brand new computer with no software on it at all, you have a blank slate computer. And then you need to program it to do what it needs to do. So a child is a blank, a blank slate human that needs to be programmed to do what needs to be done as a human. And so it's receptive to such programming. And so a belief is, I know programs work a lot of the time where there's like a trigger and then there's a response. So some programs might say, when X happens, do Y. So I think a belief is a program that says, when X sense data happens, Y thought, like do Y thought and emotion and behavior. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just basic logic that the brain is operating in to survive, to make sense. And the conditioning, the programming is in these contexts of these domination systems that humans have been, are still trying to, we still need to evolve from with the context of, of coercion and parenting and schooling, essentially. And so, like with my belief work, I think I've I've gone through about like twenty five beliefs or so, and it's like a whole lot of those are going are going back to school. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many of mine too you know, lately. For me, it's been I, I went to like this, this same memory twice actually for two different beliefs of uh, of like missing the school bus like miss the school bus in the morning and the, the beliefs were I can't trust myself and I need to hurry ooh that's a good one and it was like always this thing in the morning growing up was like trying to catch the school bus and it was like it was like stressful and I miss it and, and then one day my parents I missed the school bus and they made me walk to school and it's like two miles like not comfortable um as like an eight-year-old kid or whatever. So I, I, I mean, that that belief was formed, it seems, from that memory. Or I mean, I mean, there's other possible memories that these beliefs can be formed from. But uh, that one came up for me, for I can't trust myself. Yeah. The point is, it's like you start examining. Well, and uh, maybe. 
it's not my fault. Like maybe it's not I can't trust myself, but the school system was imposing their itself onto my time and autonomy, and that was bullshit. And of course, like it's hard to trust yourself when school. Yeah, you're you're not getting to choose what you do. Was that like one of your alternative interpretations? Yeah. 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 So wow. So it's just, it's oh, it's so valuable. It's like you're pruning your mind. You're decluttering. That is the best. That's a really good way to describe it. It's a very good way to describe yeah, it. Just pulling it's these roots out. And that's why we call it the root. That's why they, they call it like that's what's the uh, the root cause, right? Because it's that is the root cause of the problem. So many personal growth strategies are additive, which is oftentimes helpful um the problem still remains though you're just really good at coping with it with this it's about if you literally remove the problem it just is gone it just doesn't exist anymore it's because it doesn't have the coding you don't need to manage the anxiety or manage the hurry it's just the code has been so um highlighted and backspaced <laughs> it's do you want do you want to say one of the beliefs that you've deleted out loud right now and see how it feels. Ah, oh. I mean, how many have you done? Like fifty, hundred, ninety, <laughs> close to ninety. Um, maybe a hundred. I don't know. I've, I have a list, but I've missed some. I did one today that I wasn't. I'm not certain if it's gone. We can try it though. It's fun. Because um, sometimes it's harder. Typically, you can do it pretty pretty swiftly, but. I got one. Yeah. Sometimes they're, they're harder to get. On yourself. Yeah, 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 You're saying like you're not sure if it's gone? Yeah. But... Well, I don't know. Usually. So, yeah. So, basically, this is a process that typically you have someone facilitate. Um, there are. Yeah. And so, that, that's pretty much how it goes. I've learned to do some of it myself, but sometimes self-led isn't as effective. But I, let, me, let me see this one. <clears throat> Work is awful. Yeah. That, that, does not, that is not true. This morning when I woke up, that felt true <laughs> when I said it. It doesn't mean that it's all pervasive, right? So this is another thing for people who are listening. It's like we can know a belief is not true and the belief still resonates in our body, which almost means like a, a part of us believes it's true. We know it's not true. So some people are like, oh, I don't believe that. That's obviously false. And it's like, okay, but is there an emotional reaction when you say it? There is. So that implies... It's driving some behavior because it's running the program. So work is work is bad. That was another one. That's gone. That's amazing. Other ones. I'm unlovable. Nothing. No resonance. An example of something that resonates is I'm wearing a blue shirt. I'm wearing a blue shirt. That is the truth. Or are you? It's yes. Like, it's like a dark blue, yeah. Okay, uh, so that is true. But I'm wearing a white shirt. No resonance. And there are ways to test this. There's something called muscle testing, and um, we're coming up with a couple other ways to actually test. Like, you can actually verify if there's resonance to a belief or not. And then after the process, you can see that it's gone, and everything changes forever because it's gone. Other beliefs that really drive a lot of behavior for people are, I'm not smart, 
I'm not important. I'm not enough, as you know, is one of the biggest ones. I'm not good enough is the most popular belief the mind fix deletes. Mm. Um, I'm bad was a big one for me. I'm a burden. I've not told you. I think I'm a burden was one of was potentially like one of the top five for me. Because you know how I talked a lot. I still do talk a lot and all these different things. And so I was constantly feeling like I'm a burden. So when I came back from Colorado and I was a lot more calm around social interactions, that was why. I constantly, unknowingly, because it was subconscious, but that social anxiety, I always had this tape of I'm a burden. And that is no longer there at all. Yeah. Think about if you have that belief. Holy crap. Oh, I, that makes so much sense. For me? Free Colorado, post-Colorado. Just looking, like, the, like looking at you. Yeah, like me always, always. Oof. And then it caused me to interrupt and talk more because I was always compensating. Yeah. <laughs> Which made me more of a burden in reality. And you did, you did big ones recently of, uh, I'm not okay. And Oof. I can't let go. Oof. Those are two big ones I watched you do. Holy crap. Is there a difference now? I'm sure. You want to try saying one of those? Oh, yeah. I'm not okay. It's not true. I can't let go. <laughs> I smiled. It's so untrue. I'm like, I can't let go. There's nothing. It's just about getting rid of the resonance. That's is there a reason you're is. saying it in that voice, the monotone? Is there like a... Oh, am I doing... I can't let go. I don't know. I can't let go. I can't let go. That's just how it came out, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so untrue. I'm not okay. Now, can you say one that you know you haven't done yet? I have a list. But my, my phone's gone. Um, yeah, what's one? Uh, oh, I haven't done like um, rom- like romance blockers yet and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I know I have my list to do like things like I'm ugly and I'm, a, I'm not attractive. So if I were to say, I'm, unatt- <laughs> I'm unattractive. Yeah, there's something that feels. There's so you there. feel a part of you. A that's part like of me thinks that's the tings, truth. A part right? of me thinks that is the truth. Yeah, I'm ugly, or like nah, that one doesn't hit as hard. I'm ugly. Second, I'm ugly. Yeah, there's there's definitely something there. Um, yeah. And that can be gone so fast, which is cool. I just haven't done it yet, even though it only takes like 20 minutes or less per belief. Um, oh, it's another one I could show, I could say. Um, I haven't done a lot of, I've done some, but I haven't done all my, all like the money, the money beliefs yet. So making money is hard. Making money is hard. That feels true. As an example, but you can imagine if you have those beliefs, imagine what that would do to dating and anxiety around business. I'm doing pretty, I'm feeling pretty all right about both those things, but remaining, you know, anxieties and things that are happening are definitely, uh, if those are gone, a lot's going to change because of that model. Right, the thoughts that are going to come up unknowingly. Let's say there's like a beautiful woman, and I'm, I don't believe I'm ugly objectively at all. 
but the belief is there. The tape, it's a, it's the a running tape. belief from the part, the on, like the wounded part, essentially. Yeah, it's completely still there. So this is a good integration there with IFS. Yes. It's so valuable to bring in the IFS to see that it's a part that's having this belief. Yeah, it's just a part, and I'm ugly, you know. And the thoughts don't always have to be directly correlated. That's how, that's how subtle beliefs can be, right? So if I, and I, and I, if I see a, a beautiful woman, and I'm a beautiful person, object, I think, but if there's a beautiful woman that I'm going to go speak to, and I feel anxious, or I think she's not into me immediately without any evidence in either direction, there's other beliefs besides, besides I'm unattractive, I'm ugly. Um, but if that's there, if there's a, a, a leaning in the direction of feeling like she just isn't into me at all, even though I've just started talking to her, the thoughts could be like, oh, she's on it, she doesn't like me, you know, I should probably just end it, you know, whatever. Maybe we'll just be friends, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That thought, even though it's not directly, I'm ugly, the belief I'm ugly, the belief I'm unattractive could be driving the program that results in the thought I'm ugly. Which and results, then the emotion of like disappointment and... Yeah, and then the emotion of insecurity or anxiety or whatever, and then all yeah, and behavior. Then I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just weird. gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk to her or whatever. Yeah, or I'm act, or act weird or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. oh, mean, so such a logical sequence. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and also, it's like evolution seeks the simplest way, so it should be simple. It doesn't need. To yeah, be. yeah. You're not consciously in that moment. There's not even. There's not even like much. There's no activity of. Uh, of, of thinking I'm ugly. No. It's the belief is the belief underneath. creates the thoughts. Yeah. The belief is underneath the thoughts. Great. Uh, yeah, there's really a distinction there. It's really important because it shows you how... Now I'm going to say it, it's complex. It shows you how complex our brains are. That The beliefs are all like interwoven in this extraordinary web. And it's beautiful because they're made to keep a... You know, the pan, you know, the stove is hot. Like this stuff is for us, for our survival. But it's... Uh, that's why it can be helpful from like a like an IFS standpoint, or once you complete a belief deletion, like thanking the part of you who like, or even sometimes during the belief deletion, you know, like just appreciating that part for believing that all this time to try to get needs met. That's all it is. You know? Yeah, I love the IFS model too. For that reason, it shows you how NVC. You mean that too? Well, I yeah, yeah. Need, uh, does IFS also talk about needs, or is that all NVC? That's all NBC. Oh, so you just combine it with the IFS. Yeah. That's all you. Are you serious? <laughs> I just thought that was IFS because of what you told me. Oh, yeah. You oh, see no, how no. NBC and so IFS perfectly yeah. integrate. Yeah. Like, they need to be the same thing. IFS needs NBC. Holy shit. Yeah, basically. So, I have a... Speaking of... I think we can segue. That's how we continue it because I have this thing I was driving I was going to tell you about. But that's later. So, so, another word for the beliefs is what they call um, meaning... Belief is almost like a solidified meaning, or I'm not, I can't, I'm still working on the definitions here, but it's like, when an event happens, we give it a meaning as a kid, and that's where the belief comes from. So if dad's yelling at me, and I, and let's give a better example. Let's say I'm five, fifth grade, and a girl rejects me and I give it the meaning of girls don't like me 
that becomes a belief. But I gave the event that meaning, right? I applied right. meaning. The meaning is like the wrapping paper of the box that is the event. And so it's like, here's this meaning. We're like meaning assignment devices. That's, that's seeking to understand. Yeah. Once we think we've understood, we then assign meaning. Which is sort of a similar way to say take on a belief, but it's slightly different because we can assign broad meaning to a situation. Like we can assign all kinds of meaning. Like if someone is talking to us in an aggressive tone, we'll give it the meaning, oh, he's angry. But really, we have no idea necessarily. What if they're just being firm? You know, it's all constantly. And we'll assign like 50 meanings to one moment. Like, oh, he's angry. Oh, I'm bad for not doing this. And he's angry because I'm bad. And this whole deal. Instead of just being objective with what we know, which is someone is speaking to me with scrunched eyebrows and a heart and a coarse tone. That is the only data we actually have. And it shows you that a lot of our meaning also can't be true because it's nonsense. Like he is angry. Well, no, he might be feeling angry or he could be expressing anger. We just like nonsense, nonsense meaning all the time, all the time, constantly. And so, this was, I mean, if you want to say, I want to tell you what I was experiencing today because it's so relevant. So, oh, you have a story from today? Well, just the last couple of days, I've been realizing, like, holy crap, really understanding, oh my gosh, I've been the one who's given meaning to all these events. I gave the event of my ex girlfriend and my best friend. You know, making like doing me seeing them with each other, I gave that a lot of meaning. And in some way, I gave it meaning because of previous beliefs. But then someone suggested to me that maybe we have, she was like, you know, you might have more control over the meaning you give than you give yourself credit for. Right. I was like, wait, what? And I was like, no, no, I feel like it's my beliefs that give it the meaning. It happens automatically. I can't just choose to make it mean something different. I'm like, and I asked her, I'm like, are you suggesting that I can literally just choose my meanings? Just choose to give events different meaning? Like, is that, is that part of my mind abilities? Like, I can move my hand. Are you saying I can just change meaning at will? I was like, That's, I can't. I, I was like, I don't, I'm like, maybe I can. I'm like, I believe you. I don't know how to do that. I feel, I, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I guess I can, I guess I do. But she suggested that I do that more than I realized. And then she's like, well, what meaning are you giving the, 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 the thought that you can't do it, that you don't have the power over your meaning? And I was like, whoa. Suddenly it was like, phew, 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 phew. and I was giving that thought the meaning that it was probably true. And suddenly I just like, I just like didn't. I was like, huh, maybe I'll give that thought the meaning that it, it could be. Maybe I could. And then suddenly I had the ability. It's all about agency. Yeah, but suddenly I just had it. It was like, what, what meaning are you giving to the idea that you are not in control of the meaning? Because that's just an idea. It's just a thought that you don't pick your meaning. What meaning are you giving to the thought that you don't control meaning? And you're giving it potentially the meaning that it's true. <laughs> this, this is meta. But this is really meta, but it's powerful. Because then I just was like, whoa, can I just give that thought different meaning? And I did. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I guess I do have this ability. It was really, oh, man, it's just, how amazing. But this, yeah, this is important because this is how you go back and then you take control of the programmer. Right. Because the reason as children is we're not thinking this. 
We don't think we have control over the meaning. So we're just throwing meaning out left and right. But this person, my friend, she was telling me, and she's like, yeah, this is just understanding how your mind works and then becoming the one who's in charge. And I was like, so because we're deleting all these beliefs, but the next step is to then just become the one who's in charge of that process completely. Yeah. And it's not hard because if that feels hard, okay, well, what meaning are you giving to that sensation of it being hard? Like it's just, it's all meaning. It's nonsense, nonsense, constant. And so then I was driving and I was like, I told you today, I was feeling a bit kind of ungrounded and foggy before our podcast. And I was like, shoot, you know, I really want to be there for that. I want to be like, you know, on my game and crystal clear and present for the podcast. And I kind of get these little periods of my life where I feel foggy and a little, a little sometimes, not even anxious, but these little, you know, you're not feeling like your best. You're not feeling super sharp. And that happened. And I was like, shoot. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm giving this meaning. I'm giving this the meaning that I'm going to be less on my game. I'm giving this the meaning that it has some level of control over me. I'm giving it the meaning that this means I'm not my best or I can't access my power. I can't access my beauty. So much meaning was given to the fact that I had a little bit of brain fog, probably from eating a bunch of trail mix earlier more than I should have. <laughs> I gave it that meaning. Like, oh, shoot, I'm not going to be my best on the podcast. That's the meaning I gave to some slight brain fog. And then I was like, oh, but I can't change that meaning. The belief already did it. And then I was like, well, wait a second. Back to the previous thing. What meaning am I giving to that thought? That I can't change this meaning. And I gave it the meaning that it was true. And then I was like, what if I don't? And again, resistance. I was like, what about that? And eventually I was like, oh, I can just give it the meaning that all these are just thoughts. And then somehow I was able to secure some level of meaning assignment over the brain fog. And part of the brain fog was the fear that it was going to be a problem. And then I just didn't give that the me- any of it. The whole, the whole cluster, I just gave as, oh, look, there's this meaning happening and none of it's true. And I can just choose to access. Yeah, my- this is high level stuff with This is the next clarity. stage. This is the this, next stage. This is the next stage. Of I realize it today. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the ultimate of putting space between stimulus and response. Right? That, that Whoa. quote. You know, like. Our growth and our freedom is lies, you know, between between uh, by, by, what's the quote? Um, between stimulus and response is a space, and that space is the power to choose our response. And that response is our growth and our freedom. I want to hear that again because that's really powerful. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna ask you like what I heard was, I mean, I'll get the exact quote, but our growth and our freedom lies in between the space between stimulus. Exactly. Lives in the space between, between stimulus, and stimulus and response. That's amazing. Is a space. In that space is our ability to choose our response. And within that lies our growth and our freedom. That is spectacular. So it's engaging volition. It's living consciously. All these I didn't even phrases are the same. Of activating the, the, neo, the neocortex and the executive functioning. And you're getting like all specific and detailed about the meaning and the, the beliefs and continuing to question, 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 question. And that, that's the next level of human consciousness, like human evolution and yep. how we can create a harmonious world because there's all this non-consciousness in the culture and the continued perpetuation of like the cycle of trauma and 
and as a result, people create these beliefs and and there's all this uh, like automaticity of of programming and and then emotional responses of fight or flight from the trauma and disassociation and and then authoritarian domination memes and you know violence and wars and and governments and coercion and it's like boom where where how can we how do we disrupt all that putting space between stimulus and response yeah and all these beliefs questioning it all and deep becoming the, the super programmer of your own brain and then you become wiring it exactly and then program whatever you want and then you can actually here's what I was taught too it's like you can actually assign positive meaning to feel good I just noticed that I don't know if that's possible I'm like well wait you think I can just assign meaning to be happy like someone said well yeah like if, if someone smiles at you you could sometimes give it the meaning that they're being fake and the, I was told like but what if you just give it the meaning that they're being nice I'm like but I don't feel like I have that control this was before I realized however that it was before I realized that I could just give that doubt a different meaning. So right now I'm thinking, here we are in the podcast. And I could give that the meaning of, oh yeah, we're just sitting here having a podcast. And suddenly I ask myself, could I give it a different meaning? And maybe, is there any doubt? There's a slight, no, could I do that? Okay, there's a slight doubt. Well, I'm going to give that doubt because now here we get meta. That's just a thought. So, interesting. Now I'm more connected to my meaning assignment device. Right. Now, I'm thinking here we are, and I'm wondering if I gave this the meaning. But I think there has to be some authenticity to meaning or something. I don't know. There's an interesting thing that I don't feel like I can like, fake it. Maybe you can literally choose those. So I just noticed that. There's that doubt that I could just choose anything. So I'm not going to give that meaning either. And what if I can just give this the meaning that, wow, it's really wonderful that here we are talking about <laughs> this stuff. And I'm yeah. noticing what's happening right now for me is I do feel a little lighter. Having thought that. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's some work to be done here. I think that as you would continue to give certain doubts less and less meaning and most importantly here's the critical part the reason the doubt might come up is because there's beliefs so as we deprogram whatever programs slash beliefs are creating any doubt that we are the ones that create our meanings and our beliefs as we deprogram all that we can gain i think a greater and greater degree of agency over our meaning assignment devices and truly be able to just choose how we want to feel. Because I, I did it right now. It was subtle yeah. because some of these doubts existed. And this is we're just starting this out. But I'm really feeling like, holy shit. Like if we can just that's get rid a, of all of that. Yeah, go ahead. That's maybe, maybe MindFix 2.0. I think, I think all, so. All the I think stuff. so. I'm going to bring this going <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, becoming the leader. Becoming the programmer. Yeah, and, and, and MindFix 1.0 is, again, it's, just, it's identifying these patterns in your life and figure out, how, well, what beliefs might have formed as a child 
that can be addressed. Just to speak to my experience more and thinking, I think, I think it's perhaps valuable for the listener to hear, hear us like say these beliefs and note how we feel. Oh yeah. And maybe, you, maybe, maybe you can hear through the, the podcast, like the difference in tone. So if I said, okay, so some beliefs that I have deleted, one of the, one of the first ones is I'm not enough. Slapped. <laughs> Amazing. That was our whole thing. Like, we talked about enough oh like a year ago for like three hours. Yeah, we did like your podcast. It was we talked about enoughness, enoughness for like everything. two hours. It was the whole grand opus. We got rid of it in like twenty minutes, but now it's gone forever. I know. It's like why? Why are we spending that time? I'm not enough. It's just like we haven't even talked about it, it once. Like enough. What, what the heck? It's uh. It means nothing. Yeah. No, I mean, I literally I wrote the affirmation in my gratitude journal for for years. I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was, it's funny because in retrospect, I realized like most of the time I wrote that, I had this part of me that was like, this is bullshit. And this part of me that was just like, this isn't doing anything. This is just putting air fresher on the dog doo doo. Yeah. The only reason that you do it, the only reason that we do such a thing is because we don't believe it. We would, we would never. Yes. We wouldn't need to affirm something that we do, that we believe. Sometimes you might assert it. I well, no, because I don't believe I am enough. I don't believe anything about enoughness at all. The concept is gone. I don't need the I'm program enough. because it's inherent. That's the difference, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like the affirmation, the typical personal development tool. I'm still open to the value there. It's just like. I mean, there's value in putting air freshener over the dog doo doo. Like, <laughs> it will now smell a little nicer. <laughs> and uh, that's a fair, that's a fair point. But the 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 better way is to just clean up the dog doo doo. So, yeah, I'm enough. Or I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I remember when I when we did, we deleted that belief like this. And this is like no other belief has been this strong in terms of like I felt this anxiety in my stomach just poof, <laughs> poof forever. Has it come back yet? No, I'm not enough. What the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then what else? Uh, man, I said I can't trust myself. Poof. I need to. I need to control things. I need to control. Control is that gone? Wow, I haven't, I haven't done things. control ones yet. I still got a lot of stuff uh, under control. Money is bad. Money is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you had that. Could one. be. It could be. Depends who uses it. It's like you start like yeah searching yep. for like. Well, maybe it could be true sometimes, but it's not just like this. Ooh, yeah, that's a really critical thing to talk about. Before actually. it, before you delete it, it's like. Money's bad. Ooh, it's a filter. That's what I said earlier. Like, like sense data is filtered. It's a filter. I, I have. I can't be rich, which is big. There's like double meaning of like I'm not allowed to be rich and I don't have the ability to be rich. Yeah. And I remember I kept saying that one before I deleted. I kept before I deleted. I kept saying that one. I was like, do you feel it? You feel the part in your body, the somatic experience. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then you just see that that's just like this deflated part. And then when you go work with that part in the process, I can't be rich. It's like, well, depends. What am I going to do? Uh, 
Definitely could be rich. Um, yep. You know, it's like this. If you don't, if you don't mind. Um, go ahead. Well, let, I'll let you finish. Sorry about that. No, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So this is where um, this is where people they think when you get rid of a belief, you have the opposite. It's not true. It's not. I can be rich. Yeah. <laughs> that's what affirmation tries to do. I am rich already. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the thing. That's like what the law of attraction does. The whole yeah. community. And it's more like no. When you get rid of the belief, we talk. We talk about this as mind fix. You just gain discernment, which is freedom. You gain true liberation. It's not. It's not about being can being rich. It's just you don't have. I can't be rich. Because think about it. It's about energy. We have energy as beings. If you don't, why would you want to expend, keyword expend, why would you want to expend energy affirming that you are rich? If you can just not have, I can't be rich, and then it's just inherent. You just have like a child. Children just run after things. You don't even have to think about it. You just gain discernment. You never, very rarely does the opposite belief come. Or... The opposite belief is inherent. That's a critical thing. It doesn't need to be programmed a lot of the time. Like, you know, I guess I do believe I am lovable now. But I believed that before. I just had the other part that believed I wasn't. Like, I don't need to expend energy thinking about I'm lovable. I would only need to expend the energy if I thought I wasn't. And so it's like, you know what I mean? Something there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the, the capital S self knows all these beliefs are... Inherent, like the and they're non-linguistic like, too. The I'm lovable, like it's not even. It's like of course, the it's not. Yeah, self it, I don't think it's linguistic. It's just the truth. It's just what exactly, exactly. Because what does lovable even mean? Love, able. That's all concept anyway. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just the it's just the wounded part that needs to to doubt first doubt that belief and then reexamine and all that stuff. And then it's gone. I mean, it's just, it's analogous to minimalism as well. It's, it is. This is mind minimalism. That's exactly what this Ooh, is. Ooh, I love that term. This is minimalism of the mind. Mind min- minimalism. Yeah. No, think about it. It's the exact same process. The same thing. Minimalism is, it's the same as don't do stuff you hate as well. Um, you go in, you explain of, it. What is minimalism like? You go in, you get rid of the crap you don't, it doesn't serve you, right? Yeah. Basically. Minimalism is clearing the clutter so that you have space to go bring in meaning and purpose into your life and freedom and, and clarity and peace and serenity. Um, and so all that was there already. All the space was there. You didn't add yet. You subtracted all that was holding you down. You know, I've been meaning to tell you this. Another metaphor that comes to mind is, is like a hot air balloon. And I don't really know how, hot air balloons work necessarily but <laughs> i know that there's like there's like sandbags or whatever in I prevent you from going in the bottom high, before you take off you drop them i think so oh okay <laughs> let's assume it's true let's assume it's true <laughs> but like it's part of it's part of the process of lifting off is like taking those weights out and so it's a similar process where you clear that what's just holding you down, minimalism in your stuff or just your mind, and then you can float. Like then you can see more clearly. Then you can travel. Like then you, 
and you and you just feel lighter. I mean, that's one of the experiences that I can relay is having deleted twenty five beliefs or so. Like I just feel more like there's this openness in my energy. You know. Oh yeah, that's a great way to say it. There's less sandbags, <laughs> and then your hot air balloon gets to be huge. You know, this is actually really beautiful. This kind of even perfectly synchronizes with our model of the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex we're talking about, right? So, like, the amygdala is always held, is always, like, activated, which is all these sandbags, these big old sandbags. But then as soon as you get rid of the sandbags, meaning a lot of beliefs just constantly activate the amygdala, which is our fear response of the brain. It's like the the lizard brain, by the way, everyone, if you don't know. But um, then when those sandbags go away, the amygdala begins to finally stop because it's not constantly on high alert because of these beliefs. Then suddenly the hot air balloon... Then the prefrontal cortex, this is what happens in the brain, literally, when the amygdala starts to calm. The prefrontal cortex literally begins to expand, and, that, and, the, um, and the sandbags drop. And this is why aliens now... I just going to say aliens, pause. but... <laughs> aliens, whether or not they're real... They're real. Either it's, if, it's either if aliens are real. real, or if humans just intuited... Through their, through their understanding of the human brain, this is what would happen in higher evolved beings. I don't care. Point being, aliens got big old heads in the front because they got big prefrontal cortex and no amygdala for the same reason. Because as they evolve, or as we evolve, or whatever, whatever, no amygdala is not necessary because we live in an advanced society and it's just all prefrontal activity. No, I've been so endlessly fascinated by that concept. Yeah. Let's go ahead and. Play some philosophy and entertain that aliens are real. Okay. By aliens, you mean visited Earth, current, uh, like not like some intelligent life in the universe, because that seems just to be a certainty. But you mean what we typically think of as aliens for in, in relation to the human species. Yeah. Okay. And there could be multiple species of aliens. I don't know. Okay. But like the typical... I mean, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I've been watching a lot of documentaries and, jo- and listening to a lot of Joe Rogan podcasts, and there's a lot of compelling evidence. There was a front page story in 2017 New York Times front page about there's a whole government committee on this topic of UFOs. But uh, <laughs> just this is like there's so much freaking baggage on stuff. Like that, and it's just like clear your beliefs on that, you know. Ah. <laughs> like that's a good one. To, that's a good one to add to the list. Like, so um, kind of like conspiracy. UFOs are silly or something like. Aliens aren't real. Aliens aren't real. Yeah. As opposed, it doesn't mean you suddenly believe aliens are real. Yeah. It's just that you would give yourself greater discerning freedom exactly. to evaluate reality according to what you actually, what evidence you have, as opposed to what automatically is like the correct programmed answer about anything aliens could be an example huh yeah so i'm just i'm just i'm just fascinated by like the concept of this this neocortex expanding and that that is the depiction of prefrontal cortex i think it's different but yeah i don't know what the neocortex is i think it's a different thing um i believe neocortex is more all-encompassing and prefrontal is a is like the most front okay thing. okay Anyway, anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's, Same point. I got you. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, just the idea of, 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 of evolution of our species. And, and it's fitting that the hot air balloon is not a dissimilar shape. Yeah. To <laughs> an alien head. To an alien head. <laughs> and the, this, is, this is priceless. Uh, the amygdala, yeah, is that bottom part of the brain, the bottom part of the hot air balloon with the weight in it. And what we need is to let go of the fear of a lizard brain and go to the trust. The trust yeah. of our reason. Yeah. Our reasoning capabilities. And that is how we create a world without fear. Fear and, and violence and wars and abuse. And government. And governments and, and school. <laughs> All this, which is based in fear and amygdala and coercion. And, and false, we pre- need. false premises too, right? That's why the fear is there. Yeah, false premises because it's not engaging in philosophy and reason. Which again is the prefrontal cortex. So it all goes back to that. And then, and then you, when you engage in that and you engage in the NVC and then you treat children... Treat yourself and your own inner child, and you treat you treat your children with honesty, logic, clarity, reason, trust, respecting their dignity and autonomy. Boom, they grow up without damage. Their near cortex evolves properly. These beliefs, these limiting belief structures, aren't formed. No. That's the vision, you know, and this no. could be a multi-generational process. That's kind of what I wanted to touch on more unless you have something else you want to get to. But no, like, I do. That's fine with me. That works. You do? I'm excited to talk about this, yes. I don't have something else I want to do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I wanted to, yeah. to go ahead and cover that if you did. Yeah, yeah. But like, I guess I said that weird. I said, no, I do. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, just well, how can mind fix... <sighs> And I'll qualify by by granting that I could have a, a novelty bias kind of thing going still. If you look at the MindFix results page, you will find that for years and years and years, that is not the case. Yeah. Are you saying for yourself? Um, yeah, yeah. For myself. Um, I also would love to see like, and I don't expect this to happen anytime soon but like really controlled studies is there a way to do those I know you mentioned the muscle testing uh, but like uh, how much how much does a placebo effect you might it might be a, a, an argument there was a request um, to do studies in the university so I said no of course of course you know that yeah it's crazy I didn't know that but yeah there were several universities spoken to and they all said they all uh, they all said no they're not interested which is amazing Somehow it's just not amazing. Like it isn't. It's not, it makes sense. I'm just, it's just it's... like, <laughs> yeah, shocking, not surprising, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It um, was done. Yeah, yeah. Some of like the earlier forms of this kind of work before it became kind of um, the evolved version that we're doing. Um, this process, some of this kind of idea and this deprogramming of this work was done. 
couple decades ago um, in prisons and they worked on a couple hundred, I think, inmates and had extraordinary results Yeah, for behavior and stuff like this. Yeah, so all, all I have to say is that there are numerous tools and modalities from IFS to all sorts of therapies uh, from the emotional side engaging in NBC and and then just six pillars and all just like the clarity of of, of understanding the world yeah. right that comes into one's own personal development but like mind fixes by all accounts very solid and has potential <laughs> to revolutionize the species yeah like actually it's crazy yeah Can we, can we, for, can, before we get to maybe some visioning stuff with how that might play out, like, can you, can you respond to the, the it's too good to be true or change can't happen too fast argument mm-hmm. that many people will have when first coming across MindFix? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, when you feel, yeah, someone has a feeling this is too good to be true. This is, change can't happen overnight. And they get that feeling. The first thing I would do is just to ask someone to imagine if that belief wasn't there. Mm. Imagine if you didn't have the concept that change has to take a long time. If you were never programmed with that, you didn't learn it anywhere. If you didn't believe that. Would it feel more possible? That's the first thing. So that's often what we do is people have these kinds of beliefs and that's something that we get rid of first. Because if you believe that, it's going to be harder. And then you don't believe it and then it works. <laughs> um, in terms of actually responding to it though, it's like, you know, it's like the model we described today with the behavior and uh When you get rid of a belief, it's gone. And then the behavior changes. It just does. And you feel better, and you do things better, and you're happier. Here's how I can explain, though, because someone might ask, well, can a belief come back? How do we know this is really, really getting rid of it? That's where I can explain something really important. If I held up this book here, and I said, what is this cover you would say it's a blue I would say what color is the cover you would say it's blue yeah you believe it's blue right you kind of have that temporary little belief mind substance it's a blue cover you've seen the sense data it's a blue book right hmm over simple we can just say yeah like it's, it's sure if I asked you hey what cover hey what, co- what color is this book you'd say it's blue so if I were to I wouldn't then, say it's a belief but I don't great you would call it blue Unless, imagine this, if suddenly I peeled off this piece of paper cover and I actually had lied and I had a little fake cover and underneath it was white. (laughs) 
And then I had, oh. and I crumpled up the blue piece of paper and I threw it over there. You would then say, and I'd say, hey, what color is the book now? You'd say, oh, it's, it's white. I can see that now. Your belief has changed. You are not in, 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 in six months. You're not going, if I ask you about this moment, you're not going to think the book is blue. Because you did before. Belief change happens instantly and forever. Yeah. Always. Think, I could ask someone, if they say, well, how do I know it's permanent? It's like, well, then ask about, actually, people don't ask like that. That, that, that sounded mocking. I didn't mean it like that. It's more like, how do I know it's permanent? Like, it's a reasonable thing to ask. And, but think about other beliefs we change all the time. Like Santa Claus. You believe in him, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you don't. You believe for like years and years, and then you just learn something new, and now you don't believe it. It doesn't come back. What's another example? Like, what's a you know, belief we change all the time? Like, uh,. I used to believe electric cars when I was a kid were no way going to be like a viable thing, a viable thing. And then I saw a change in data and now I believe it is. Belief change happens on its own all the time. It just requires the evidence. It requires the reason and the evidence to demonstrate that the belief that you held was just one interpretation you gave to reality and isn't actually the absolute truth. That's all it takes. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's too good to be true. It's like I explained. I mean, we explained what, what what it is that happens. You change the beliefs, and everything changes. So, if there's a too good to be true, it would likely be the fear that the beliefs would come back. And so, like, I mean, do our other beliefs come back when we change them? Not if we really changed them. Santa Claus is a great example of that's a belief you really changed. Yeah. So that's the best thing I so I got. It's really I, and I just finished mindfixgroup.com slash results. That's that's really the, the the too good to be true center. Like hundreds of reviews there. Yeah. How many of those reviews? Like what percentage of the total number of clients have there been? I didn't phrase that really clearly, but you know what I mean? I think like 99% of people have this kind of experience. Yeah. I think it's like 99.8%. <laughs> I don't know the exact numbers. I'd have to ask, but it's very high. Yeah. But I think your first answer was the best in that. Imagine if that belief were of it, it's too good to be true weren't there even just asking that did it just did it just do the effect and then no it just it just puts it back in your the ball back in your court you're like no 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 no. yeah i can i can you know i as jackson answering to this question can respond to you but let's bring it back to you <laughs> who are asking this question and, and then the person who's asking that question of, of is, is it too good to be true you you'll go you bring it back to yourself and you you introspect and you you uh, you see at the very least you admit that you have a belief going on in your brain of it's too good to be true not just like 
objectively, of course, it is the case that these things are too good to be true or think some things are too good to be true that like is that like you're you're going back to just mm. dissecting your own neural pathways and taking responsibility for that it goes back to the stimulus and response quote as you yeah, just like is this just objectively true that some things that like change this, has to take a long time yeah it's too good to be true whatever no like that is another belief now it could still be true. Correct. It could be the truth. The statement still could be true. You're not just all of a sudden switching. It's not like, like yeah, it must be the truth. It must be. It has to be real. Take my money. That doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, it's actually quite empowering with that frame. Yeah. Like, acquisition, oh, of, acquisition of discernment. Discernment. Yeah. That's the key. And when I did yeah. that, I'm actually curious because that's really exciting. Did you suddenly like feel connected to oh like how powerful the beliefs actually are? I just felt it with that particular one. Then when me asking that question, you just like you think that could connect someone to like oh, this is just a belief I don't actually even know. Yeah, it it, it gives it opens you up to the whole process of of like oh what this can work for any belief. I could at least begin to question it. Um. But, uh, yeah, I think once you experience it the first time, it's just like, oh, um, but I was going to do, uh, yeah, I just want, I just want to do this for the, for the, for the audience as well. Like I, cause I was saying some of the beliefs that I already deleted, some beliefs I haven't deleted yet. Uh, I still have, I still have, I'm unattractive. So I'm going to say that one again. I'm unattractive. I'm, whew, like, I like, I like breathe heavier, I notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, for, for some of these that haven't been deleted yet. <sighs> I'm unattractive. Uh, it's like a, uh, it's like this part just like, oh yeah. That's the truth. You know, this is involuntary. Like, I swear I'm not acting here. It's like, hopefully that can be conveyed through the microphone, but, um. It's another example. I find it fascinating that we've deprior that we often deprioritize the relationship stuff. It's unfortunate. All the work beliefs, all the money beliefs, all the self esteem beliefs, those are all came first. Well maybe the self esteem is related. No, it's not unfortunate. That's actually just a meaning I assigned. <laughs> See, there you go. It is what it is. It's actually not so unfortunate. It's just interesting. It's interesting that I mean, I guess having your self-esteem and your money and your work in place is pretty important to really. I mean, I've think done, about I've relationships. done relationships ones. Um, I've done, uh, I've done girls won't like me. Oh, I, I did, I did do that, did that one. Girls won't like me. Huh? It's like, huh? I wonder why Joel's saying that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if I say? I'm not attractive. Like, it's just a difference. Um, the, the the productivity ones are still... I did work is... Work has to be hard. I deleted that one. So yeah, I deleted that today. Work is um, hard. No. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do this one yet. Um... It's wrong to be, 
It's bad to be lazy. <sighs> that's, that's still there. It's bad to be lazy. Um, rest. Oh, self-care stuff. So, so for, a big one for me, I'm really curious to delete. Because like, I'm like, I'm really, so, quote-unquote, good at self-care. Because I prioritize sleep, or I prioritize meditation, and, and like balance, and I'm thinking about working smart a lot and not just grinding and everything all the time. But there's still this part, like when I'm doing self-care activities, that's just like, you fucker, like, Lazy. get back to work. Like, you're just, you're just telling yourself a story. Like, this isn't actually helpful. Hey, all this stuff. This is something we could do on here could actually be, because part of what MindFix does is more than just helping get rid of beliefs is as I'm training to be, as I'm like learning to do this work really effectively, and you'll be, we'll talk like this is a, um, yeah, Jackson has going through the program and getting trained. He's, he's worked like closely master. with the founder. Yeah. Yeah. So also it's about, this is where we get, this is where mind fix really comes in, into the next level. And this is why having a, you know, actually like going through the program is really powerful is that we can actually really help one identify what belief is causing the pattern, right? So you have this sense of something when you're doing self-care, you get it. And I think I could do this on the, on the podcast and it's not like, that's totally cool. You have like this a sense maybe that you, um, when you are doing self-care type stuff, there's like some like tension that you're being lazy. Is that kind of what it is? Yeah, there's this, there's this grumpy part that's like, Oh, you're making excuses to not work and really like leverage your your career or produce. Um, you're just saying that because you read some self help stuff about self care is good and work smart, but like there could be some truth to that. But like you really just more often you need to just like work twelve fourteen hour days. To really prove that you're on a mission, <laughs> like uh-huh. something got like it, that. Got it. So, what would someone have to believe to have those thoughts? Truly, what would someone have to believe? You can even make it third person. Like if I was telling you this, what would what would I have to believe to have the thought that I really need to be working twelve to fourteen hour days to prove that I'm on this mission? What would I have to believe to kind of have this negative evaluation of the self-care? Self-care is for pussies. <laughs> would that be the language? I don't know. Maybe not. Or self-care is... There could be something there. Self-care is not manly. What I found, a lot of your thoughts seemed less related to self-care and more related to the importance of work and how much you need to work. And then self-care well, is just one of the activities that is not enough. In well, it's funny because I did delete working as good. At least yeah. I thought I did. Maybe I, did it. Maybe, maybe I didn't do it. I thought, thought but I did. That's not the only belief that could create such thoughts. Yeah. What kind of, truly, if we had someone in here who said, you know, I, I just got to work 12 to 14 hour days or I'm clearly not actually on this mission that I say I'm on. What would that guy, if he's in this room, if he just said that to you, what would he have to believe to have that thought. Um, working creates results. Could it be um, what makes me good enough is working hard? Yeah. 
It's because once we get rid of I'm not good enough, there's often something called a survival strategy belief. So I'm not good enough can be gone, but we have beliefs that are the conditions placed upon our original belief. So you can still have, you can believe, no, I'm not not good enough. That's gone. Yeah. But there can still be what makes me good enough is, or I need to, right? So it's like, I'm not good enough if I don't work hard. Or what makes, we usually like the language, and it works a lot of time, is like what makes me good enough is X, Y, Z. So it could be something for you or like that, what makes you good enough or what makes something like this. That guy's like, I'm clearly not, I, I fuck, I just need to work 12, 14 hours. It could be like, oh, what makes me good enough is working hard. You might believe that. Or what makes me good enough is working a lot. You know, there's different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I did, I deleted working as good and I'm not working enough. But the only reason you would have I'm not working enough is because of something around what makes me enough is work, is working. So you're saying that like, that I'm not working enough didn't do the whole, get the whole job done by deleting that. Perhaps. Perhaps. Could could be. So that's what I'm saying is like what, even like right now we can kind of, like you have, so the pattern is that when you are engaged in self-care, you get a, I assume like a sense of tension or self-loathing and voices that you're not working enough. Yeah. So does it seem real that if someone believed that what makes them enough or what makes them good enough is working, that they might have thoughts that like that when they go to engage in self-care? It makes sense why that might be the case, right? Yeah, because then they would think like, oh, well, if I'm wearing self-care... Then I'm not good. Enough. Like I'm not proving that I'm good enough. So there's danger here. <laughs> yeah. Well, then there's also other beliefs. That's what's what makes me safe is working hard. <laughs> that's a different than good enough. Those are a little different. But I think it ultimately comes back to safety. But try saying um. And the language might be a little weird sometimes, but it's still worth seeing. Like maybe try saying, "What makes me enough is working," or "What makes me enough is working hard." What makes me enough is working. I didn't notice it. Okay, it might, it might not be that then. What makes me enough is working. I think it's about more about safety than self-worth. Really? So you think that when you're going to do self-care and you feel these voices saying you're being lazy, you're a piece of sh- you know, you're Because the, the part's trying to get me for like sustainability and security. To like prove that I'm like valuable in the marketplace, that I can build a positive reputation. So does it feel like interesting? Needs trust that like I'm going to support myself by got it providing enough value, creating enough value. So could it be that when you're in those moments of the self care, that there's this anxiety that not everything's going to get taken care of? And that's why there's that fear, that safety piece. Is that kind of what is it? You're not going to get enough work done. You're not going to sustain yourself. Is it? Is it that? Yeah, I think. That's a big chunk. Interesting. So then what would someone have to believe to feel anxiety about that kind of stuff when they're engaged in self-care? Uh, I don't know. I don't have enough. 
I'm not going to be okay. Some things like this, maybe, or um, I'm not going to be okay. Something in there. There you go. I'm not going to be okay. I, didn't, I, haven't, I, haven't done, I haven't done that. I haven't thought about that belief. I know you did it. I've not done that one. I did I'm not okay. Oh. It's very different. I'm not going to be okay is more about oh, like money true. evaluation. I'm not okay is more of like me. I'm not going to be okay. It's more of like money and living and dying. I think that could be there for me. I'm yeah. not going to be okay. Just breathe. <laughs> it makes sense that if yeah. you're not going to be, if it's, it makes sense that if you believe you're not going to be okay, there's probably not a lot of time for self care, and that if you're doing it, you're not actually. Yeah, it's like again, it's like the parts thinking, oh, if I'm doing the self care, I'm not moving the needle forward to make sure that my future self has security. It could also not be, I'm not going to be okay. Sure. Could there also is it also potentially not just about security? I just want to throw something at you and tell me if it lands. There could be something around. I'm not going to make it. I, I'm not. I, I simply. I'm not going to be successful. I won't be successful. Because is it just about making it? Is it just about being okay? Or is this this part that's kind of like you're not going to? You said this, you said the word mission. So it didn't seem like it was just about being okay. It seemed like there's also kind of this like. I said mission. You were like you, you know I have to be working 12 hours a day if I'm really claiming that I'm on this mission that I'm on. Those are the words that left your mouth. Yeah, but that was like maybe it was like blending like my work with Crash. Yeah. To like, with like the need for security as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I am a mission for the the mission of the company, but there's also like, before that, there's like for me or this part rather. Is like make sure that I prove my value. Yeah, yeah. To, for the company. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Oh, in order to got it, got it. Point the next, the next level, like Maslow hierarchy, would be like to to go on the mission. But I th- what's feeling most real to me is the like the okay. Yeah, the safety, the not okay. The I'm not going to be okay. Um, and there could be a couple others besides just I'm not going to be okay. It could be that um, there could be like a. What keeps me safe is working hard. But these kinds of beliefs. Yeah. Like you associate safety with working hard, so not working hard is not safe. Do I try? I don't know if it'll land. What? What keeps me safe is working hard. Or working? What keeps me safe is working. What keeps me safe is working. Hmm. Might not, might not be the language. What keeps me safe is working. Or working keeps me safe. Working, working hard keeps me safe. I think there's something there, but it doesn't sound as strong. I don't think that's necessarily. But I don't think that's the linguistic encoding. Yeah, exactly. But it's worth exploring that, you know, in your own time and really thinking yeah. about. And that's always the, the the advice. It's really important to track patterns, right? Because then you can actually see your progress. So, like, go ahead and be like, "Wow, I have this pattern of when I go to self care." How would, how, how would you rate the intensity of the problem? And then ask the, the question. Just say, like, what would someone have to believe for this pattern to be real? And you can just kind of try, you can kind of reverse engineer it from there. And then after you delete one belief, ask yourself, huh, how would I feel about self-care now? And you can just, you can just like, that's how, that's how we, that's, how, that's one of the ways MindFix can really deliver the like, really life-changing results is... We, we delete people's pain. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was something I just wanted to show you. Yeah, that's great. That's and great. That, that's really helpful just to kind of use the pattern to get to the beliefs. And then you can actually not waste your time on beliefs that might not even be affecting things. And just Yeah, I mean, I've been picking them out. And I think all of the ones I've done have helped, been helpful. But uh, most being for your buck if you start with the patterns. Yeah. That's the only reason you want to do it anyway, right? You want to be done suffering in the ways that you are suffering. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh? Do you want to wrap up here soon? Yeah, let's just kind of like close it out with like bringing it back for like visions for... Endangering. Visions for humanity, yeah. Yeah. Where... Let's say we start... We really like do this process on ourselves a lot, a lot, a lot and like get to this next level of freedom, actualization, liberation. We're affecting people. We're affecting relationships. You know, people like you're, you're like we saw with our friend Nick, like in particular, just his demeanor, his energy stands taller. He did an entire 10 week mind fix program. Is it 10 weeks? Yeah. And he's just like, full of life it's un, it's unreal I, I watch just watch transform over time um it's just like it's different person it, it, it affects people you know but then everyone think about how we're all affected that's what I'm saying like and it Nick's affects gonna, it, it affects the people he interacts with all the time he's such a big influence on the world yeah and that's he's making big plans <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we take care of our own like this is the whole message right sort out yourself first we're sorting out our mind. We mind minimalism. <laughs> Continuing to do that. And the potential ripple effects. But let, let's think bigger. Like let's say, let's say this does ripple. And like the, the, this, pract- this, this work this, of, of mind fix starts scaling. We see more and more like entrepreneurs doing it and, and celebrities doing it or or just everyday people and it starts spreading like this really healthy spreading. (laughs) What would that do? What would that look like? What would that look like? Well, just imagine. Just for those adults, let alone like the evolution of the species, but just like. Yeah. I often ask the question, To imagine for a moment that you are in a world and you're an adult and you're on a planet where all of your needs as a child were met and exceeded and all the people around you's needs were met and exceeded. Yeah. Can you imagine? So that's so that's like the ultimate vision, but I almost want Start little. Like, I want to start smaller. To, like see some of the I'm sequence. Down. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. this is like, oh well, that's that's idealism. <laughs> like, we have paradise on Earth because everyone's <laughs> needs are met as children. Fair and, and, <laughs> I think I think that is potentially possible. Yeah, yeah. But even like in our lifetime, of like adults fixing themselves and left. Let's and say right. like forty percent of adults on this planet in the next forty years get to a significant change. 
through yeah. deleting hundreds of beliefs. Fair enough. Maybe not total enlightenment or whatever, yeah. but just like serious, not extraordinary self-esteem issues, violence, self-sabotage, like people who wake up and are building the lives they want to build. Yeah. Can you imagine 40%? If 40% right. of people were like... Alcohol at, industries plummets. Doesn't exist. <laughs> well, no, 60% left. Yeah, no, alcohol no, would way still be there, down. Um, porn would probably go be very less, I think. Or porn would be um, different. Would porn be, would be different. It'd be different, yeah. It wouldn't be an addictive thing. Yeah, people would maybe have it for pleasure. It might be, might be a whole more wholesome. Maybe, it depends. <laughs> I think it'd be all over the place. But it wouldn't be as much of an addictive pattern people have. I think that... Well, all addictive patterns would be... Because you're striking the root of something like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. I'm bad. <laughs> I'm a burden. <laughs> all that against the root. So then it's like all addictive patterns. It doesn't matter what the, what the, what the, what the, the actual action is. If it's porn, if it's shopping, if it's gambling, if it's scrolling it, on yeah, your phone. I don't know if addiction is possible for me anymore. Yeah, addiction, and Gabor Mate has talked about this, like addiction is just, real addiction is just the pain. You're, Correct. That's the weird solution, is not, it's not abstinence from the substance. Yeah, I remember people have So people, all that stuff, all the addictive traits would just be reduced. If people have told me like alcoholism is hereditary and that I should be careful because I have people in my family who have been alcoholics, met multiple, and I'm like, no, I don't drink hardly at all, but even if I did, I'm like, well... Alcoholism is not. It's yeah. There might be some gene that that's the reason. That's the escape. But the re, the hereditary nature of the generations of alcoholism is because the emotional trauma has been passed down through repeating the toxic parenting cycles. That's why the alcoholism is a pat is a, is a, is a hereditary. Exactly. And so if you break that, it's not a, a thing. Um, you have no reason. I have nothing to. I don't need to escape. Yeah, you, you normalize the behavior because you watch people do it. And I think it's way more nurturing. I'm saying but also and because you have the pain to escape from because they treated you the way yeah. that, because they were treated that caused yeah. them to become an alcoholic. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think of a, a world where, holy shit, yeah, 40%. It's kind of funny because that utopian thing, to get utopian again, it's sort of like if the, if it hit 40%, the rate at which it would take everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but let's still just say 40%. Um, movies and music would be very different. I think that quality and, and aesthetic art would be next level. People would start to care more about art, I think, because it's an expressive thing and people would start to really, that's what they would do with more of their time, I think. And like creation, like science as well, like just various types of expressive creation and study. Oh man, there'd be more actual science in the world. Probably, can you imagine? There'd be more, more, more critical oh thinking because people would be so in fear about like, not getting their funding from the government blah, subsidy, blah. like about, yeah. it's like you actually have start to get maybe like you have, you have more entrepreneurial spirit, so you have more like entrepreneurial scientists who are just relying Holy on crap. and starting raising your own money and like. Can you imagine so if the entrepreneur? Can you imagine if the entrepreneurial mindset was unleashed into the world of science, and we had a world where there was real science? We would already be in the freaking outer. We'd already be in Andromeda. Like, if we had, like, and we'd already have discovered how consciousness works, we could potentially start to deprogram people by having you listen to a, a freaking recording or something. By just, like, like, imagine if the amount of money putting put into the military was suddenly being put toward, with entrepreneurial spirit, figuring out how to liberate human beings from their suffering. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, not coming from, from a government budget, but yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be entrepreneurial spirit if it was coming from exactly. a government budget. But it would have to be entrepreneurial, right? Because even if Elon Musk wanted to put $20 billion toward that, it wouldn't matter because there's not the competitive, there's not the actual organic, that's what's needed is the organic entrepreneurial. That's actually yeah. a good idea though. Maybe if, um, maybe when, if and when I become a gajillionaire, multi-bajillion billionaire, I'll just like post prizes on the, on the world saying, whoever comes up in the next two years with the absolute greatest model of solving human suffering that you can show me, it's $2 billion. And then we get just like millions, like, or at least hundreds of thousands of young people trying to figure it out. Be pretty cool. Yeah, entrepreneurial spirit for science. That's that's a nice little idea to hatch. Change um, everything. Yeah, just less addiction. Happiness. Just, just, uh, about that. I'm just, I'm just Happiness. Picturing, I'm just like picturing like people walking around just smiling more. Yeah. yeah like, people playing like people like dancing to the music in the grocery store. Yep. Lots. I think. I think. A oh my god! I was massive doing, uptake. I was dancing. doing that the other day. Dude, meet you all the time now. And you don't even notice, right? You don't even think about it. I went in the store, no mask, and I was dancing. Great. <laughs> That's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, wow. Yeah, the dancing, I think, would increase a lot. What's I tell you? It's like the gift. You know, it's what I do with the gift. We would just be celebrating and creating all the time. We'd be celebrating, creating, and studying. Playing. Whoa. We'll be playing. Oh my god, the masculine feminine polarity will be balanced more. In individuals and in relationships. Exactly. Men could access their feminine, women could access their masculine. So much less insecurity and so much less false self. And people could find someone that works for them. And yeah, it would be individualized instead of like what's happened is so much of (laughs) the polarity that's the natural masculine feminine. Like those two sides have come closer, so men are more feminine and women are more masculine. In general, in general, of course. But like, so you have we have more of this pretense of, you know, men need to be sensitive, and women need to be career oriented or whatever. And and also just like, with like third wave feminism, it was just like. Oh well, there, there's even like a shame that gets attached, that, that at least potentially can get attached to a woman taking a traditional lifestyle. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's not authentic so, feminism, which is celebrating the individual choice of the woman, right? I'm just thinking about this right. kind of stuff. Like, so well, I think if relation- there's less insecurities, then people are just like, I'm gonna, I don't like if they, everyone deletes the belief, I need to care what other people think. Yeah, then they're just. Well, I don't know if it's that exact belief, but yeah, people would just be doing what they want. Yeah. Right. And then, and then that's interesting. I think in some sense, I think you might see overall general more polarity between masculine and feminine, maybe. And I think on the other hand, you would actually see in another dimension less. And what I mean is some, in in a way people would become a little more androgynous because they're so free that they're not even tied to the masculine feminine idea anymore. That's true. They're just human. And I think that maybe my intuition says that a lot of women would maybe tend toward a more feminine way of being and men would tend more toward a masculine way of being because they wouldn't need to fulfill any expectation and that might be more of their, their nature. Well, no, I'm not certain of that, but it's, less, a, it's, 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 it's would definitely less amygdala action. 
So it'd be less like of a weight on this biological programming. Exactly. You still have it. Like you still have, like, and it can be fun to play with it, and it can, yeah, be, yeah it'd be more fun. It'd be more fun though. Like if a big masculine guy wanted to be dominated by like a like a really beautiful like smaller girl and sexually <laughs> like he, they could just do that because there's not these need to fulfill these good, roles. That's like interesting. Yeah, I like that. It's beautiful to think about. I'm realizing with as I liberate more and more, I don't still feel fully comfortable being a completely feminine or completely masculine. But if I was, I would probably just play with different experiences, right. not just sexually, but emotionally, socially. Yeah. Sometimes I could be feminine and sometimes I could be masculine and I think I'd tend toward masculine. But yeah. Yeah, so like if adults start experiencing that and they start raising their children. They might start realizing that the school system did a lot of damage because if they did this belief work, they would be re- revisiting these be- these beliefs from school. People start thinking more clearly and realizing what's happening in these school systems and start engaging and, and, and playful on, on unschooling and self-directed learning for their own kids and just having more trust and because they're trusting themselves more, they're trusting the kids more and all this. Yeah. And then these kids grow up without, with so much less conditioning. And then it's sort of like a ritual when you turn 16, you kind of go back through and delete and do like a... Yeah, you're like... Like you go somewhere for three months. Just make sure you you cut everything out and... Yeah, because it's going to be a while, I think, before we give them no negative programming. Or actually, no, I mean, some people might argue that they're always going to get it because they just... They're kids. They they interpret things wrong. This is really important. You can have the best parents in the world and people are going to get bad programs because they're confused. It's not even that the parenting is always bad. It's like if one day mom is like really busy with work or something... Even in a perfect society, a kid might think, oh, I'm not important, or work is more important than my happiness, or like kids just make these assumptions constantly, and I think it'll be a while before that doesn't happen, until we're like literally a different species. They're going to be a lot less, because a lot of our bad beliefs come from abuse and poor parenting, but there's still going to be things, so it's sort of like, yeah. imagine if parents are constantly deprogramming. Imagine if once a year, you just sit down with your kid, and you're like, or once a month, you're like, yeah, hey. let's go over it. Hey, let's yeah. go over what, what, what have your, pat- like, literally, what, what, pat- hey, what have you not been liking lately, Jimmy? It'd be like, it'd be like a store, like, you'd go get a quick, like, Mind Fix R Us. You'd like, <laughs> <laughs> you'd just like, Dude, Aaron hey, we're going to go, we're going to go, on a, so we're going to go to Mind Fix R Us on a Saturday, uh, just get a little hour check-in. Holy <laughs> crap. And you just get rid of them. And, the, the and they could do the same model. They've done it with children. It works, by the way. Yeah. Today. They've done it with people from 6 to 80. And it always works. Yeah. Because it's the same, it's the same brain. So imagine that. That a kid... Yeah, like they... You same thing. You track patterns. It's like, oh, hey, what are you not liking lately, kiddo? Or the parent can notice like an unhealthy pattern. And then you just figure it out. What, the, what are the beliefs creating the pattern? Boop. Oh, man. Powerful tool, and that just that could just keep snowballing. So this is a, a young process, and uh, this is beta. This is beta wave. This is like early. This is beta. <laughs> beta. <laughs> Sorry, this I the, deleted that belief. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is alpha or whatever you want to call it. It's testing. We're still in early phases. Can you imagine ten years from now, once we get that worked out, we get the two point we were talking about, where we actually get you gain control of your meaning assignment. What comes after that shit? It's crazy. Yeah, I talk about exponentially empowered again. It's like, like you just started, you just found this stuff two, three months ago. Yeah, I'm not even the same person. 
Like next two month, less than two months. You've deleted almost a hundred beliefs. You're, you're still getting trained. You're still going through the program. Like I was told, I've probably deleted more beliefs than almost anyone the founder has ever met. Yeah, I'm That's sure. What she said. said, I didn't know. I figured some people just took it to the. But some people, they're just comfortable with a couple. And I'm like, nah, I want to be. Whatever. Yeah. Well, you've you've taken this to the next level by by doing it on your own. Yeah. But um. Well. Yeah, I mean, just a year from now, three years from now, we started the podcast talking about three years ago. Imagine three years from now. 2024. Who are you going to be in three years? Like, I think we're both millionaires. Like, I honestly do. Somehow. Whoa. Maybe you have a different direction. We'll see. But I'm just like. Whoa, I just, whoa, the fact that I deleted I can't be rich. Was that gone? Made that experience completely different the way oh, when you just said that. Because cool. before it would have been like, whoa, no way. Like, there was none of that? You were just kind of like, maybe. There was like some say, up, there was something maybe. else. that Maybe some other belief. But, but it wasn't like this like pain. Can't of, happen. This yeah. jolt of like, no way. Because I didn't think money is bad. And I don't think I can't be rich. Yeah, there could be other stuff like around success, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, yeah. ability. But that's really cool that that's wow. different. That's kind of evidence that's different. Yeah, I, remember I told you, even like, no, even remember, even like a couple months, even like right before I went to mind camp, you picked me up from the airport. You dropped me off at the airport. Went to Jacoby's. And I was talking to you about imagine making, you know, like a million or even like a couple hundred thousand. You were like, uh. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah. in the car? Before I ever went to mind camp, before I ever went. Yeah. So, yeah, I think three Three years? Think about even last month. I, I don't even know what three years means. Yeah, it's it's, it's stupid, man. Like <laughs> ten years from now, like oh my gosh, how old are you? Thirty one. Thirty two. When you're forty two, exponentially empowered, folks. Yep. Man, this has been a, it's been an awesome show. It's been a good one. Uh, wow. Mindfixgroup.com slash results. Yeah, just go there first before you even go to the rest of the yeah. website. <laughs> Ah, good stuff. Yeah, thanks for doing it. I want to do it more. I think I'm gonna get my podcast back and going because I I love talking about this stuff. I just like talking about this stuff, <laughs> and I'm good at it. I'm realizing, not just mind fix all the things. So I want to. We'll be seeing something with that soon, I think. So I want to be in general. I want to be recording stuff with you more than once a year. So let's make that a thing. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff, man. Well, peace, everyone. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it.